Are you longing for love and acceptance? We are All Souls Universalist Church, a network of home-based worshiping communities proclaiming Jesus' gospel of universal love and reconciliation for all souls. You are a beloved child of God. No matter who you are, what you look like, who you love, what you believe, where you are from, or how you identify or express yourself. Join us as we journey together, following the light of Christ. Feel free to follow along using the service book that can be downloaded at the link in the description. Living God, as the sun rises to greet the morning, May our hearts rise to greet one another and join our voices in our common praise and worship to you, that in unity and love we may be faithful witnesses of your love and compassion to the whole world. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, Deacon Joseph here. In this week's episode, I am going to take you through the inclusive good news of Christ. If you would like to join in with the liturgy, please click on the link and download the service material. With that being said, let's dive into God's Word. Praise be our Heavenly Parent, the Abba of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who with great mercy gave us new birth, a birth into hope which draws its life from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Alleluia! Christ is risen. Our Savior is risen indeed. Alleluia! Come, O light of the world, and fill this place and your people with your spirit of love and compassion. Drive away all of the darkness of fear and doubt in our lives and replace it with courage and faith. May we become a reflection of your compassion and love in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Open our lips, O God, and our mouths will declare your praise. To the ruler of ages, the immortal, the invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Christ our Passover has been sacrificed, so let us celebrate the feast. Not with the old yeast, the yeast of corruption and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Alleluia. Christ, having been raised from the dead, will never die again. Death is now powerless over our Savior. When Christ died, Christ died to sin, once for all, so that the life Christ lives is now life in God. In this way, you too must consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Alleluia! But as it is, Christ has in fact been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one human being, 
In the same way, the resurrection of the dead has come through one human being. Just as in the first human, all die. So, in Christ, all will come to life again. Alleluia. Glory to God, Creator, only begotten, and Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us profess our common faith in our God. We believe in one God of love, light, and life, creator of all things, whose only begotten, Christ Jesus, has liberated all people from sin and death, making us all one family of equal members, commanded to love and serve one another. This God demands justice from all people, but shows mercy in equal measure, restoring all souls to God after sanctification in this life or the next. This God is revealed to the whole world by the Holy Spirit and is bound to us and to all creation by the mysteries of faith. To this one God, Creator, Only Begotten, and Holy Spirit, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. We will say Psalm 31, verses 1 through 5, in 15 through 16, by alternating whole verse. I take refuge in you, Yahweh. Please never let me be put to shame. Rescue me by your righteousness. Listen closely to me. Deliver me quickly. Be a rock that protects me. Be a strong fortress that saves me. You are definitely my rock and my fortress. Guide me and lead me for the sake of your good name. Get me out of this net that's been set for me because you are my protective fortress. I entrust my spirit into your hands, you, Yahweh, God of faithfulness. You have saved me. My future is in your hands. Don't hand me over to my enemies, to all who are out to get me. Shine your face on your servant. Save me by your faithful love. Glory to God, Creator, only begotten and Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A lesson from the book of Acts. But Stephen, enabled by the Holy Spirit, stared into heaven and saw God's majesty and Jesus standing at God's right side. He exclaimed, Look, I can see heaven on display and the human one standing at God's right side. At this, they shrieked and covered their ears. Together, they charged at him, threw him out of the city, and began to stone him. 
The witnesses placed their coats in the care of a young man named Saul. As they battered him with stones, Stephen prayed, Christ Jesus, accept my life. Falling to his knees, he shouted, Savior, don't hold this sin against them. Then he died. Acts seven fifty-five through 60 Here ends the lesson. Please release me in peace For my eyes have seen your love The Son you have made for all This love's a light of revelation A lesson from the Gospel according to John. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My Abba's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me, so that where I am, you will be too. You know the way to the place I'm going. Thomas asked, 
Rabbi, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to our heavenly parent except through me. If you have really known me, you will also know our God. From now on, you know God and have seen God. Philip said, Rabbi, show us our heavenly parent. That will be enough for us. Jesus replied, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been with you all this time? Whoever has seen me has seen God. How can you say that? Show us our heavenly parent. Don't you believe that I am in our God and our God is in me? The words I have spoken to you, I don't speak on my own. The living God who dwells in me works through me. Trust me when I say that I am in our God and our God is in me. Or at least believe on account of the works themselves. I assure you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. They will do even greater works than these because I am going to our God and heavenly parent. I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that our heavenly parent can be glorified in the only begotten. When you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 1-4. Here ends the lesson. Listen to the Most High, children of God. Happy are they when they keep God's ways. Our God be with you. Our God bless you. Let us pray. God in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your reign come. Give us today tomorrow's bread. Forgive us our sins. For we too forgive everyone who sins against us. And don't let us be subjected to the test. Almighty and loving God, no good thing we do is done apart from you. Inspire us by the teachings of Jesus Christ to do the work you have given us to do. And strengthen us by your Holy Spirit that we may be equipped to do it wholeheartedly to your glory, that in becoming one with you by doing your will, all souls may at last be in union and harmony with you forevermore. Through Christ our Savior. Amen. Almighty God, we pray for our family throughout the world that you will bind us together by your Holy Spirit so that we may live in unity and love so that those who do not yet believe may know that we are your disciples. God, hear our prayer. Be with this congregation, that we may be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, love and serve our community, and faithfully proclaim the gospel by loving and accepting all your children. God, hear our prayer. Be with those who hold civil authority on earth, that they may do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before you, so that the people of all nations may dwell in safety, and that the peace which only you can give 
may reign throughout the earth. God, hear our prayer. Be with your creation, O God, that we may be faithful stewards of this planet, taking good care of all that you have entrusted to us, so that we may glorify you in the plants and the animals and the heights and the depths that you have made. God, hear our prayer. Remember, compassionate God, those who cry out to you. Heal those who are sick. Comfort those who mourn. Dwell with those who are alone. And welcome those who have died, so that all may be assured of your ever-present love and compassion for all of your children. God, hear our prayer. I would like to invite the members of the congregation to voice their own concerns, either silently or aloud. God of compassion, hear our prayer. God of grace, who has given us this new day, give us strength throughout our busy day so that we may resist the powers of darkness and sincerely proclaim your love. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Gracious God, we thank you for all that you've done for us and for all that you are going to do for us. We thank you for our salvation in Jesus Christ and for your daily presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Reveal your love and faithfulness to us this day so that we may reflect your light to the world in faithful witness of your love and acceptance of your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many of you may not know the story of my religious journey, even though I've hinted towards it a few times in my messages to you. From my first memory of church as a toddler, seeing my parents being baptized in a small Southern Baptist church, up until my early 20s, I had always dwelled within fundamentalist circles when it came to Christianity. I followed many pastors such as Jerry Falwell, Billy Graham, and Pat Robertson, and I even had the dream of studying at Liberty University to become a pastor. When it came to our Heavenly Parent, I had such an exclusive view of the good news that I could only see my small church family as the people who were going to be in heaven after we died. And at that time, you better have not gotten me started with them heathen Methodists and Pentecostals, as us old Baptists would say. Why did I have these views? Well, because it was the worldview I grew up in, and it was all I knew. As we all know, God has a way to change our glasses so we can see the world in a new way. And wouldn't you know it, my glasses began to change during my 
freshman year at Liberty University. I began what many people call deconstruction. I noticed that I began questioning things I had been taught and my faith was being challenged in a way that I wasn't used to. That deconstruction period led me to get out of my Baptist comfort zone and look into other denominations of fundamentalist Christianity to seek out the answers to my questions. After a few years, it had gotten to the point that I had so many questions and conflict going through my mind that I almost abandoned the faith altogether. My whole world had been turned upside down and I didn't know how to handle it. At the time, I thought that the divine had abandoned me and I was being attacked by Satan. In hindsight, I was never alone and I was being guided by the divine hand of our heavenly parent to something more greater. One of the main questions I struggled with was the doctrine of eternal punishment for people not accepting Christ as their Savior before they had died. I will admit it, this was huge for me. What about people who lived in countries that didn't allow missionaries to come in and spread the message? What about people who are raised in different faiths? Do do they deserve punishment for not knowing the loving creator of the cosmos? Our gospel lesson from John 14 contains a verse that is frequently used by some to say yes to those questions. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to our heavenly parent except through me. I believe that we have to gain some context to this passage so we can build upwards from a firm foundation. This passage is a continuation of what Jesus was saying to the disciples from John 13, 31-38. Within this text, Jesus lets the disciples know that he will not be with them for much longer. And Peter learns that he will deny Christ three times before the rooster crows. Most of the time, when John 14 is quoted, people commonly forget to quote the first two words, Jesus answered. Naturally, that should give the rise to your curiosity. Who was Jesus answering? Jesus was letting Thomas know that he is the way to his Abba's house that has room to spare, because Thomas asked, what is the way? Jesus wasn't answering the question, who would be excluded? Jesus' answer to Thomas was more inclusive than most people realize. The most commonly used verse to demean other faiths is actually a verse that points to our heavenly parent's house having more than enough room to spare. Now, let's take a look at four important parts to this passage. First, Jesus says that he is the way. In the Greek, the word here is hodos, which means a natural path. Also, metaphorically, the word means a course of conduct. Throughout his whole earthly ministry, 
Jesus showed and taught his followers what they should do to bring forth the kingdom of God. Every time I deliver a message, I refer to it. Love God and love your neighbors as you love yourself. When Jesus says, I am that I am the way, he's saying, I am the pathway of love, your example of how you should live your life to bring forth the kingdom. Second, Jesus says, I am the truth. In the Greek, the word here is aletheia, and the definition is more advanced than the last one. In the Vines Expository, the word aletheia is defined as the reality lying at the basis of an appearance, the manifested. In this passage, the word truth is objective rather than subjective. What is Jesus saying when he says, I am the truth? Is he saying that I am the only source of truth and if you don't accept it, you'll be cast away? To be honest, this part had me stumped for some time while I was writing this message until it finally clicked. Jesus was telling Thomas that he was the embodiment of truth and through truth, you will be on a path to the house of the divine. This reminded me of something that was written much earlier in the book of John that shares the same sentiment. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the passage talks about how all life or creation came through the word, and nothing came into being without going through the word first. Doesn't it make sense that we will have to pass through the gate, the word, the Christ, the truth again to be with our heavenly parent? What was Jesus telling Thomas so far? He's saying, I am the truth, and through me all creation came into being, and through me all creation will be reconciled. Third, Jesus says, I am the life. The Greek word for life is zoe, not zoe, zoe. This word is defined in the divine's uh, expository as of life as a principle. Life in the absolute sense. Life as God has it. Basically, this word means the state of our existence. The the reconciliation of all things was the plan of the vine all along. Throughout the New Testament, we hear Jesus mention multiple times that through him, we will have eternal life. Or better put, age-long existence. With all that said, let's combine everything together that Jesus said to Thomas when he asked him about the way. And we will add the fourth element that I had mentioned before at the end. Jesus answered, I am the pathway of love, your example of how you should live your life to bring forth the kingdom. I am the truth, and through through me all creation came into being, and through me. All creation will be reconciled. I am the life, and through me all humankind will be righteous and will have everlasting life through relentless grace from the divine. No one comes to our heavenly parent except through me. My friends, as you can see, what Jesus was saying was inclusive to all creation. No matter what, you will be welcomed into the home of the divine who has room to spare.
Naturally, the question arises, why then do you preach if all will be reconciled in the end? You see, I share this message because people should know that our God is greater than we realize, than what we were taught growing up. There's so much freedom in knowing that our God meets us exactly where we are with love to help us become better with no judgment. That, my friends, is true love and hope. For too long, this passage has been used to exclude others and has been used to show that other faiths will not take part in the greater hope we call salvation. And it's long past the time for that to change. I firmly believe that all paths point towards the divine in their own glasses, their own worldview. My friend and mentor, Reverend Daniel Harrison of the Church of the Covenant in Lynchburg, Virginia, who read our lesson earlier for the passage we just explored, once delivered a message that first introduced me to universal reconciliation. The title of the message is called Sharing the Mountaintop, and in his sermon he mentions Now, for some of us more devout Christians may cringe to think that God honors all faiths. Certainly ours is the most pure or God's ideal, right? I say only this, it is simply ours. Jesus is our door, or better yet, our window into God's essence, the lens through which we understand the great mystery that is God. Jesus is our Savior, our Redeemer, and this should not be misunderstood. Even though Jesus offers this path to all, all may not take it, and yet we may all end up in the same place at the end, within God's great mystery. My friends, go into the world with peace, love, and hope. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, You've promised to be present where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus and that all we ask in his name will be answered. You have heard and we trust you shall answer. Give us grace to accept the answer you give and send us out into the world in peace to love and serve you to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Thanks be to God.